When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Off The Bench for Kubota diesel generators, for serious backup power and first choice liquor for all your liquor needs. Yes, indeed. Welcome to Off The Bench as we're back for another big weekend of rugby league after what has been, dare I say, a massive week in rugby league. Of course, the announcement of our latest immortals. We thought that there might be... Well, maybe two. We definitely knew there was going to be one. Some suggested there may have been three. We ended up with five. Quite an incredible night on Wednesday in Sydney, but we'll talk more about that shortly. Uh, Of course, we've got uh, a look back on Thursday night's clash between the Bulldogs and the Broncos. A huge result there. A great debate. A Makita power player and the tips for what's left of round 21 as well. My name's Benny Jones. I'm here thanks to Kubota Diesel Generators for serious backup power and first choice liquor for all your liquor needs. But I can't do all the talking. That's why we bring this gentleman in, 2003 Premier superstar with the Penrith Panthers, Queensland representative as well. One of the great names in rugby league. Scotty Sadler, how are you, mate? I'm good, Benny. Yeah, you are right. It's been a, a terrific week of um, of headlines for the NRL because it's all based around, I think, probably our, other than the Dally M's, it probably sits above the Dally M's this year as one of the great nights on the calendar for the rugby league, which was the uh, the Immortals process. A brand new process, yeah. as we've seen. A really good criteria, I believe, and also a set of um, judges and, and a panel that I think absolutely nailed. As you said, we thought there was definitely going to be one, maybe two. We suggested on our show during the week there was a hint there was going to be three. Mm. But to um, to unveil the, the pre-war nominees, I just think was just a, a fantastic way to celebrate our history. All right. Well, there'll be people listening into this program who uh, know their rugby league from back to front. For people more so like myself, newer to the game, in particular interest, this pre-war era of uh, nominees and, and now, obviously, Immortals, uh, the three names. Uh, Sats, tell us a little bit about their background, their history, and why they played such a big role, particularly in the early foundations of, of all things rugby league in this country. Well, the former criteria of being inducted as a, as a potential Immortal didn't include the pre-war era because basically there wasn't enough people around or judges mm. as part of the criteria that knew enough about them. Yep. We can read statistics, but to actually see hard footage of them yeah. and try and compare them relatively against players of today, well, that was you know, that was always... Uh, that was, that's the Immortals uh, judges just ringing there just to say... <laughs> just that, to confirm that... ...people are that they're going to uh, put in. But, yeah, so that was part of the criteria. So moving forward, obviously, the NRL took control of it. Frank Pulitour yep. and his team... Uh, travelled basically around the world over the last couple of years looking at other formats in other sports, in NFL, baseball, whatever it may be, the EPL, and how they look after a concept mm. like this. And so hence the pre-war was very, very important. And Benny, Dave Brown was a player through the 30s and 40s, uh, played for Eastern Suburbs, a prolific point scorer. They call him the Bradman of Rugby League. Um, and before it was the Clive Churchill medal in the NRL, for a period there, it used to be called 
the Dave Brown medal. Yeah, right. So, um, so he was uh, a major part of rugby league pre-war. Um, in regards to those prolific try scorers and point scorers, um, and then you had Frank Burge, the first uh, try scoring forward, which Steve Menzies only it, you know took him nearly a hundred years to mm. to break the record of Frank Burge. Frank Burge was a, a player, a back rower who was selected to go on a kangaroo tour at the age of 16, and and they didn't allow him to go because he was too young to leave home um, on a boat to go over to England for you know four months. So that's how great Frank Burge was. And then, of course, Daly Messenger was, we all say, is the reason why Rugby League started in 1908. It eventually would have started, but it started earlier than normal because of Daly Messenger, one of the great rugby union yeah. players, makes across to makes it across to Rugby League. But not only that, and I read really interestingly this during the week, is that not only because of his defection to the league did it create Rugby League, but it actually stopped the surge of... Aussie rules, as they called it back then, AFL today, wow. they surged through the north of in New South Wales and and furthermore into Queensland. So, mm. um, Daly Messenger, of course, the most prestigious award is named after him. So, yeah. hence, so many reasons why it uh, just made sense. Yeah. So that was three into the books, and at that stage, you looked like a dead set genius, Sats, because you'd come to yep. us on Monday on Sports Day and said, "Look, I've heard some little whispers that don't worry about your one or your two, but I think there'll be three. We probably could have called the night off at that stage and everyone would have been pretty content. But, of course, there was more to come with the announcement of uh, Immortals 12 and 13 and more so bringing us to the modern day of all things rugby league. Norm Proven, Mel Meninga, two absolute giants of the game. Yeah, well, there were some suggestions when Joey Johns was inducted a few years back, uh, I think four years back, that um, Mel Meninga probably should have received that um, that nomination and selection then. Yeah, got no doubt. Joey Johns, he deserves to be an immortal, one of the greatest of all time. If Mel would have missed out this time, they would have torn down all the all the buildings in Queensland, <laughs> I think, um, in protest. But uh, when you talk about the modern era, I suppose yep. we look we look back at the last real known footage we can find of players, mm. consistent footage, where we might see little bits and pieces of the great Clive Church or Little Master playing back in the fifties, but they're only little snippets. Whereas Norm Proven, you can you can see hard footage of of him as a player and a successful player for for so long through yep. an era of the Dragons where they won 11 premierships. He was involved in 10 of those as a player, captain, and captain coach. And then, of course, Mal Meninga, first player to go on four kangaroo tours, captain Queensland for so many years, big game player, and held so many records for so long that um, it's taken great players like Cameron Smith and Darren yeah. Lockyer, mm-hmm. who eventually would become immortals themselves. It took them a yep. long time to break those records. So, again, we just keep going back to, Benny, is that the, the whole note was a success. The NRL came under a lot of scrutiny mm. about the process from certain journal journalists in some corners, um, about the selection process, about the criteria, about judges who are no longer judges, and m- basically tried to... I think protest the night, but uh, I think yeah. to the NRL's credit and everyone involved, they sat back, they waited for the night to unfold, and I think the night itself was the answer that they got it right. Right, I will sats. Uh, moving on from the Immortals discussion, of which we could fill the entire hour of the show, let's get stuck into a, uh, a quick Friday night preview. Uh, what a beauty this promises to be as well. 
perhaps a hint of a grand final preview about it. The Rabbitohs taking on the Storm. Uh, Badge alerted us to the fact the last time these two sides met, it was about the same time last year, the Storm put a fair old number on the Rabbits. I'm I'm not expecting that will happen this time around. What are your thoughts? No, I don't think so. Yeah, 64-6, they beat them in round 25 last year, the Storm, the Rabbits. But, yeah, for some reason, a completely different uh, Rabbitohs side uh, from the years gone by. But... um, you know, the Storm in the last three occasions have beaten the Rabbits, so it seems to be one of those sides they've got the wood on. Um, but I, I think this is a possible grand final preview, and I think the Melbourne Storm will make the first blow in this uh, mm. in this clash. It's um, it's played as a Rabbitohs home game at ANZ Stadium, which I don't think the Storm, that really bothers the Storm. But I just think uh, the Storm with their defence, how good their defence is, um, they only... They only concede, they concede about about two tries a game, which yeah. is phenomenal. And um, South Sydney are probably one of the only sides that can break that defence up with their speed and and the way that they play with the intensity they play at. And uh, but a lot of their attack goes down their left hand side. And I think Melbourne Storm might have a bit of an answer to that. I think defensively they'll they'll come up with something this week. Yeah. That will um that will try and thwart that. I reckon Craig Bellamy just sits back and would be loving every week that goes by where his side aren't the focus of a whole heap of media attention, and that might be a byproduct of being based in Melbourne. But you, you talk, you know, you've got some numbers there that back up their their fantastic, their stingy defence. We know they've got attacking weapons, creativity across the board, but again, they. Maybe they're a victim of their own incredibly high standard sats because we just don't hear them. It doesn't feel like we hear them often enough in the northern states about their premiership credentials, even though we all know deep down that when push comes to shove, that they are still the team to beat. Yeah, well, they are, and we we should expect it, that they're sitting at the top of the ladder. But for some reason mm. this year, it's it's surprised us. Or it's, like you <laughs> it said, creeps it up when you look at the ladder, us, but, don't you? And you go, oh, they're there again. Yeah. They've always been in the top two teams, yeah. like, no matter what. Yeah. So it shouldn't surprise us. And even though that Cooper Cronk's moved on, they unearthed another young player in yeah. Jerome Hughes that just filled as a position. And Billy's playing better than whatever he has. And so is Cameron from not playing Origin. And then they've got <laughs> guys like Jesse Bromwich, who has spent a long time off the field, but all of a sudden he's back on the field as the run to the finals comes home. They've got a a man-child by the name of Nelson Asafa Solomana <laughs> who is just terrorising yeah. every forward pack in the competition. They yeah. just, they've just got no weaknesses. Yeah. And so it must be really frustrating trying to coach against them, trying to break them up and trying to find a way of, of beating them. And I, and I think that's where some sides get frustrated because yep. they can't come up with any game plan that no. can consistently beat this Melbourne Storm side. They seem to be always one step ahead of everyone else. Yeah, it's a good way of putting it. Uh, there's a bit of a feel of also not just grand final preview, potentially, but also the master versus the apprentice. We mentioned uh, Craig Bellamy and, of course, a man that he had under his wing just a few seasons ago uh, as an assistant coach at the Storm in Anthony Seabold, now obviously looking after uh, the Rabbitohs. This will be a good little tactical battle between these two and have a pretty intimate knowledge of how the other one ticks. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Anthony Seabold sat next to... Craig Bellamy in the coach's box for a few years and, and did a lot of his, not only at the Brisbane Broncos, but also did uh, a lot of his tuition under under Craig Bellamy. And and in a way, I suppose, he's taken on his, his work ethic as well from all reports. Mm. I heard a really good interview yesterday about Anthony Seabold and um, a journalist was there watching South Sydney trained for this game leading into Melbourne. 
He said he'd never seen a team train with such intensity. They ripped into each other like it was a game. They're yeah. all teammates. And hmm. he said, do you usually train like that or just for this week? And he said, no, we train like that all the time. And that's the way the Melbourne Storm train. They train and they compete as if everything is a, is a win-loss scenario. And that's why they've been so good at the little, what they call the one percenters, the little pockets of the game that are so important, the turning points in a the game. They win those, those different turning points in a game every time the Melbourne Storm. So... It doesn't surprise me that the Rabbits have taken a real storm approach. Yep. That's why this game is yep. just so mouth-watering, because we, we don't actually know what it's going to throw up, and that's what's mm. so entertaining and exciting about this game. But Anthony Seabold is fast-tracking his way to becoming one of the most popular coaches <laughs> in the competition, and he hasn't even finished his first yeah. year of, of coaching. So, mm. And I've got no doubt that comes from the, the tuition of, of, uh, of Craig Bellamy. I, I heard a really good interview about... Craig Bellamy the other day from Anthony Seabold and he said the one thing I took away from Craig Bellamy is his work ethic he you know he starts at six o'clock in the morning and he he doesn't finish until about seven or eight at night mm. he's always breaking apart not the opposition but breaking apart his own individual players about how they can he can improve them and that's what he's trying to do yeah good tactical battle in the box and there'll also be plenty of tactics out on the field particular interest the uh, battle of the two number nines the old and the new if you'd like uh, with the greatest respect to the old boy cam smith he comes up against uh, one of the real we got real improved players of the competition in season 2018 in uh, in damian cook who's having a, a great campaign yeah, I think Damien Cook and Cameron Smith will fight out the Dally M, to be yeah, quite right. honest. Uh, in around June, July last year, Damien Cook was playing second fiddle to Robbie Farrar, playing NRL here and there. The other times he was playing for North Sydney, their feeder club in the Intrust Super Premiership in, in New South Wales. So when he was at the Bulldogs and he first came on to play NRL, I remember a game at ANZ Stadium. He jumped out of dummy half and he took off about 30 metres out and he burnt everyone, the fullback. Everyone sort of thought, where's this kid been? <laughs> Former fullback, now playing at hooker. Then he went to South, and for some reason, everyone thought that maybe he had a problem off the field, Damien Cook, because he can't really crack a starting position. Is there something with his discipline? What is it? Is there something part of his game and that we're not quite sure of? But you know, this is his first full season of starting as a hooker. Forced Robbie Farrer out of the position and over to the West Tigers. He's probably the top three players in the yep. state of origin. Yep. Um, he's now become probably one of the most sought-after players on the open market, if he ever did go mm. to the open market. Um, and it's starting to change, again, the way that we look at hookers. Cameron Smith's been there, and we've tried to look for that crafty hooker that gets out of dummy half and creates opportunities like Cameron Smith does at half speed. Now Cameron Smith at the back end of his career, we've got Damien Cook who comes in and it's just all about blistering speed out of dummy half and just trying to burn everyone that's around you. So... Yeah, this is, a, this is a really amazing matchup. It's broad ends of the spectrum yep. for both these number nines. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's going to be a cracker, whichever way you want to pull it apart. The Rabbitohs and the Storm as uh, round 21 in the NRL continues. Uh, we will continue as well here on Off the Bench shortly. Up next, we'll uh, recap last night. A huge result, big upset. The Bulldogs over the top of the Broncos, not without its little share of controversy as well. A great debate, a Makita power player, and plenty more still to come. You are listening to Off the Bench. Off the Bench for Kubota diesel generators and first choice liquor. This is Off the Bench for First Choice Liquor and Kubota for serious backup power. 
Yeah, great to have you back with us here on Off the Bench. Benny Jones and Scotty Sattler as we wind through what has been a big week in league and still plenty of it to come over the next 48 hours or so. We've got a great debate, a Makita Power Player Sats tips for the remainder of round 21 still to come, and we're doing it for First Choice Liquor. For all of your liquor needs, not forgetting Kubota, their diesel generators are for serious backup power. Time to look back on what was an incredible result the Bulldogs and the Broncos to get round 21 underway. Let's get an NRL update for 7-Eleven. Tackle your lunchtime hunger at 7-Eleven. Good call. Yeah, they're doing some nice things, 7-Eleven. They've got the freshly ground coffee for a dollar, and that is available all day, every day at 7-Eleven. Gee, I tell you what, Sats, we did not want to see this one coming. The, uh, the Broncos have been pretty good of late, although a touch up and down, to be fair, throughout the majority of season 2018. But the Doggies started both halves well and uh, ultimately just put too many points on the board. A 36-22 win over the Broncos. Uh, rare joy for the Doggies, but... Um, yeah, this game had a, a big moment just on the stroke of half time that probably uh, probably was the turning point if we look back on it now in hindsight. Yeah, they're on a roll two in a row, the Bulldogs. <laughs> first time in 2018. But you're right, the, the Broncos were so disappointing with a game that meant so much. Yeah, you look at your calendar of the last eight weeks and you start ticking off some of the games that you should win. You just know if you play to your best, like you play against your Melbournes and your and you play against um, some of your teams like the Roosters sitting at the top. If you play with that intensity, you'll beat the teams that are beneath you. And that's exactly what didn't happen with the Brisbane Broncos. Mm. You know what, Benny? I heard Sammy Thiday in an interview on the radio, and it was Thursday morning. And they asked him a question about, what's it like to go and play at ANZ Stadium after coming from Suncorp where you can get anywhere from twenty-five to 40,000 people, but then go to... ANZ Stadium, play against a team that's at the bottom of the table and you may get 10,000 there. Yep. And he said, yeah, it's really hard to get up for. <sighs> and as soon as he said that, mm. I thought to myself, yeah. wow, you know, to verbalise that, love yep. your brutal honesty. Yeah, Sammy, that's yep. what we love about Sammy. But it's also a mindset that is, it's that little voice that's sitting in the back of your head. So, And it's the way they played last night. They expected to win the game by playing at 75%. And they got their pants pulled down by the Bulldogs, who, as you said, and and it's um, probably the, the per- perfect summation of the game is that they started the game with a lot of intensity, the Bulldogs, started the second half with a lot of intensity. But yeah. as you alluded to, that try right on halftime to Corbin Sims, which would have given him a hat trick, funnily enough, um, was the wrong call. It was a disgraceful call. It was a horrible call by the bunker. Um, it was the on-field, on-field call by Ben Cummins was try. Yep as the ball looked like it touched the line, and his concern was, was there a double movement by Corbin Sims? I think we've all seen the footage now, and, and calling the game at NRL Nation for NRL Nation last night live, and everyone at the ground, even the Bulldogs fans, were just conceded that that was going to be a try, and they are going to go into the halftime break down 18 points to 16. Mm. But the bunker looked at it, I think it was 13 times. Yeah, it was, it was fairly extensive. Yeah, <laughs> no question. So by... By looking at it that many times, there lies in the fact that they don't know, so you have to go under the rules and the interpretations with the on-field call. So if there's something that's happening with the NRL process and the bunker that we don't know about, they need to tell us yeah. because it's putting them under a lot of pressure. And what we don't want to hear now is the referee's boss, Bernard Sutton, come out and say, you know what, um, we actually got it wrong. So yeah, that's just rubbing salt into the wound. Mm. 
the other argument is, would have it changed the outcome because the Broncos weren't really at their best? Yeah. But we'll never know no. because going into the break, leading by two after playing the first 40 minutes so terribly, you go into the second half, the scoreboard becomes your friend against a team that's not used to winning yep. in 2018. So we'll never know the outcome, but you don't want to take anything away from Dean Payne and the Bulldogs as well. They were... They were really they were desperate. They played desperate, but also they, they took the shackles off and they played a really yeah. entertaining style of rugby league. Yep, no doubt about it. And then, look, there's two ways sides can respond to that sort of disappointment on the verge of halftime. The Broncos could have been fired up and come out and responded in a big way in the second half. They didn't, so you're right. It's a, it's a hindsight call. We will never know, but uh, take nothing away from the dogs. How good were they? I just hey, want to ask you, though. Benny, yes, what about Corbin Sims? Oh, yeah. There was a punter that had $3 on Corbin oh, Sims no. to... to Score a hat trick at five hundred to one. Five hundred. So I want to so, know if the referees come out, yeah, and actually admit that they got it oh, wrong. Can he? Should could, that get paid out? Can he make a claim? Um, I would suggest that whatever betting agency he had that bet with will argue till they're blue in the face that he wouldn't get paid out. But gee, that's well, it's a good that's, argument for negligence. Oh, isn't that's it? that's that's vicious. That uh, the 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 difference between a millimeter or a grazing of the elbow on the turf that had. A two dollar coin and a one dollar coin, or maybe he had like two fifties and five twenties and a yep. dollar, and he's just gone. I'll just go and put this on the player who will never score a hat trick in his life. I was at get five hundred to one. I was going to say it's an inspired bet, but I don't know where he's plucked it from. He's uh, yeah, he's probably not a happy camper as we speak Ruan. today. <laughs> I, I would hope probably not. Uh, I don't think there's there's some betting uh, laws around uh, people working in the media, which we know all too well, Sat. So I just got to ask you, and uh, obviously congratulations to the Bulldogs, like you said, two in a row. Maybe they're building some nice momentum to carry into 2019. But seriously, where does this leave the Broncos? Oh, you, just, you could not trust them enough to think they're genuine premiership contenders. They're top four chances are now probably shot to bits. They've made life really hard for themselves. And you look at what's next for them. The Cowboys away, who always get themselves up for the Broncos, doesn't matter where yep. they are on the table, followed by the Rabbits and then the Roosters. Hmm. They're, I mean, they're not cooked, but they're uh, they're getting pretty tender. Yeah, you're right. They're, at present, sitting in seventh position. That win, if they did get it last night, they would have at least pushed them up to 28 points above the Panthers, who are sitting in fifth. So they would have sat in fifth, depending on results. Um, yeah. Funnily enough, Benny, you mentioned the run home. They're probably more they're probably more likely not to get up for the Cowboys because of where the Cowboys are sitting. But we know they will because it's a local derby. Yep. But the Rabbits and the Roosters is probably the perfect run in to the mm. finals because you know you're going to get up for it. And mm. if if you go bang, 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 finish the last three games and beat Rabbits and Roosters at the back end of the season, everyone forgets about the game against the Bulldogs. All of a sudden, you hit the semi-finals, yeah, and you hit the finals running hot, and mm. that's that's what really counts. But they got they got a lot they got a lot to change amongst their mindset and their approach to the game yeah. first before they worry about knocking over the roosters or the rabbits. The great debate for Kubota diesel generators for serious backup power. Yeah, they are indeed. Uh, they provide reliable, constant backup power you need when you need it most, Kubota's diesel generators. It, it's it's not going to happen. I think even uh, Joey Johns himself admitted that. But he feels the best way to improve the standard of play, uh, just the standard of the overall competition in the National Rugby League, would be, and it's brutal, but it's honest, cut four teams and make it a 12-team competition. Oh, ouch. What, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that, great debate-wise? Does he mm. make a point? He does make a point, absolutely. I, I love I love his vision. 
I love the risk in it. Um, I'm pretty sure Shane Richardson, when he was in the head office of NRL, he was wanting to move down a path of less Sydney teams, not so much less teams in the competition, but less Sydney teams, mm. mm-hmm. and add other teams in, in other areas around the country that yep. can expand the game. And I don't think the NRL, I don't think they had the the kahunas to go with Shane Richardson on that vision, and hence why is one of many reasons he got out of head office and went back to South Sydney as their head of football. So I like where Andrew Johns is coming from. A 12-team competition... It does increase the um, it does increase the quality of your teams. It also increases your second tier competition yep. underneath it because the players that miss out. But it will force players to go to the UK Super League, and we yeah. don't want that. Yep. That's one argument against it. Um, also, is less opportunity for players to come through the junior ranks into mm-hmm. the next level, into the second tier, and into the NRL. So I think it lessens the percentage of players playing NRL when you've got less teams. But one thing I would do is I would amalgamate some teams. I would put some teams together in the Sydney competition. And this is like sacrilege saying this. It's, I'll be burnt at the cross for saying this. <laughs> but then I think this allows us to yeah. get back to less teams in Sydney and then move up to another team outside of Sydney. So I would I would put the Sharks with the Dragons, which mm. means it would be Illawarra, the Cogra region, and also the Shire region. I'd put the Bulldogs and the West Tigers, which is that that um, central western division of Sydney moving out towards Campbelltown. Mm-hmm. And then, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but oh. I'm going to. Oh. And next time I visit Penrith, please, all the fans. Oh, no, Premiership here, eh? What are you, still, what? still welcome me to your oh. beautiful, beautiful town, uh, Penrith <laughs> and Parramatta. Oh. Which nearly happened at the yeah. end of 99, but um, Roger Cow and the boss of Penrith ended up kiboshing that. It was the best thing that could have happened for Penrith um, mm. and Parramatta, uh, mind, mind you. And but, Scott uh, Sattler. <laughs> yeah, so that, uh, so that takes it back to 13 teams in the yeah. competition. Yeah. But then I think that allows you to then add another team in Queensland, not Brisbane, but primarily southeast Queensland. Yeah. Um, and that bring, makes it a 14-team competition. Okay. And then I think as we move forward and we start to develop more players that are that are first-grade standard, NRL standard, then we can start looking at building second-tier competitions in, mm. in Perth for four or five years, get them really strong over there before you actually put an NRL team over there because you have to have a really strong underbelly before you, before you put a, a major team in any yep. region. So I, I love where Andrew Johns is coming from, but I think if we cut it down to 12 teams... We push too many really quality, real quality players over yep. to the UK Super League. All right, great debate for Kubota Diesel Generators for serious backup power. Uh, we're about to head to a break, but before we do that, uh, here is AFL superstar Paddy Dangerfield with a fishing tip for Anaconda. Anaconda, play more, pay less. Patrick Dangerfield here for another fishing and boating tip for Anaconda. Play more, pay less. If you're looking to get your kids into fishing, set up their rods with an old lure with the hooks removed and let them practice casting in the backyard. That's how I used to do it. It's how Aaron does it. That's another fishing and boating tip for Anaconda. Join the Adventure Club for great savings on fishing gear every day. Paddy Dangerfield there for Anaconda. Join the Adventure Club for great savings on fishing gear every day. We're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, Sats will nominate his Makita Power Player of the Week. You're listening to Off the Bench. Off the Bench for Kubota Diesel Generators and First Choice Liquor. This is Off the Bench for First Choice Liquor and Kubota for serious backup power. 
Yeah, that it is indeed. Great to have the support of Kubota and First Choice Liquor for all of your liquor needs. Benny Jones, Scotty Sattler, and time on Off the Bench for... The Makita Power Player for Makita's cordless power garden range. Yeah, let's get into this one. Uh, A couple of stories of resilience. One uh, that's going to have a happy ending tomorrow night uh, at the SCG. The other, uh, unfortunately, won't have such a happy ending, but it just fills us with great... uh, Great admiration for uh, both of these individuals. Makita Power Player, Makita's cordless power garden range when power means business. Uh, Sats, I'll let you introduce one of them as your nominees for this week. You can have your choice, but uh, yeah, a couple of incredible stories that have emerged through the week in sport. Yeah, we throw up motivational speakers in sport who have played 300 games or they've been state of origin players or they've won Brownlow medals or Dally M's, test matches, grand finals. But this Makita Power Player, I think, is the true testament and he should be the poster boy for resilience Mm. and courage and also patience and hard work. And that is, uh, of course, Alex Johnson from the Sydney Swans. He uh, 2012 played in the premiership with the Swans. He did. And then the pre-season for 2013... Mm -hmm. He did his anterior cruciate ligament. Yep. And since that that injury in the 2012 off-season, pre-season for 13, he has gone the next basically five to six years with back-to-back season-ending injuries. Yep. And he'll play his first game since that premiership winning game in 2012 for the Sydney Swans yeah. this weekend. It's just an amazing story. And you know what? Hats off also, not only to Alex Johnson... And the courage that he's shown, mm-hmm. and the resistance, and the persistence, and also the resilience. But the Sydney Swans, yep. for having faith in the kid, and not throwing him on the scrap heap, and yeah. forcing this kid to try and find another life outside of football. Absolutely, well said. Five uh, knee reconstructions, four ACL injuries. He also had to have a reconstruction of a reconstruction after an infection. Uh, Almost had him walking away from the game. He's had 12 different knee operations along the journey. You wouldn't have blamed him from walking away from the game, Benny. Oh, look, look, one knee injury of that magnitude, speaking to Gary Belcher, who suffered one in the later stages of his playing career, said that it was incredibly hard to, to come back from, not just the physical, but the mental anguish you go through, the loneliness hours in the rehab room, the constant questioning as to, well, maybe my body's just not cut out for this type of a sport. And while all that's unfolding... You feel like a fish out of water as well. You you sit in a dressing shed of of your teammates who are celebrating a win. And even though you're part of the club and even though your teammates know that you're a very integral part of that club, you feel like you shouldn't be there. Oh, exactly. It's really hard emotionally (laughs) to take. While he's been going through all those rehab processes, Sydney have made finals every year. They've made grand finals. uh, And, of course... When he last played, as you mentioned, in the 2012 Grand Final, he had the world at his feet. He was an up-and-coming defender, superstar of the competition, and unfortunately... Uh, you he know, must have been young, Benny. He was. He, was, uh, he must have been, been 20, was he? Yeah, not, no, just turned 20, I believe. He's 26 now, wow. uh, and he'll get to run out tomorrow night at the SCG and uh, and do his thing with the uh, the Sydney Swans. So good luck to him. The other one that I, I mean, we had to mention, and it is such a, a bitterly sad story, uh, and that is Jared Lyle, who uh, through the week we, we heard the announcement that uh, he has decided to, to stop his treatment uh, as he um, had, had come through three bouts, incredibly, of, of leukaemia. First time he, he was diagnosed, he was a teenager, a golfing rising star. Uh, then in 2012, uh, he, he had it again. And then just recently in the last sort of 12 to 18 months, he, ha- he had been 
given a, a relatively clean bill of health from a cancer point of view, but then the the toll that all of the the drugs and all of the the chemotherapy and every bit of treatment, the bone marrow uh, replacement that he had, is just it's just worn him down. And unfortunately, he announced through the week uh, via his family, his his wife, that he was going into palliative care. This is a guy who has overcome so much. Thirty five years of age, he's raised two beautiful girls. And it, it's just a, a stark reminder, I guess, Sats, that we should never take anything for granted. The outpouring of grief around the world, not just the golfing community, has been immense. And yeah, all we can do is send out our best wishes to, to Jared, his family, his friends, those close to him, that um, you know his, his final days or weeks or months can be as enjoyable and as pain-free as possible. Really sad story. It is a sad story, Benny, and, and well put. But as you alluded to during the week, we discussed... Uh, during the week, you know, a lot of people don't get the opportunity to say goodbye to everyone. Yep. And Jared Lyle, I suppose, if there is one positive out of this, and there is no positives, of, but if there, there's one thing he can look at is that he gets the opportunity to yeah. say goodbye to everyone the way that, that he wants to. So it's a, yeah, it's a very sad time, not only in, not only in golfing circles, but just in Australian sport in general. Yeah, it's a good angle uh, to look at it, Sats, because you're right. So often, you know, when people pass suddenly, we don't get that opportunity to yeah. to express how we feel about them. And, and that's one of the, the few positives that we will hang our hat on in this situation is that, uh, you know, Jared's hearing all of the, the love coming his way and, and likewise gets a chance to, um, to, to leave a really indelible legacy for, for not only the game of golf, uh, the sporting community, but also for his, his two girls as well. So to Alex and Jared in their own respective ways, just courage. That's all you can say. Makita Power Player. Uh, Makita Cordless Power Garden Tools. Power through the toughest of jobs. Makita, when power means business. Just before we get to a break, uh, a driver's seat preview. Let's get rolling with one of those. The driver's seat preview for Kubota skid steers. Power at your fingertips. Yeah, all about the motorsport for Kubota's BX Series, the all-rounder that's up for just about anything. Last week on the show, the boys caught up with Jack LeBrock from Techno Auto Sports, who's out of the five rookies that debuted at the Supercars Championship this year, ranked the highest in the points table. Stephen Matt decided to ask him about the difficulty of being in a single-car team compared to the other rookies. So for Kubota Construction Equipment Delivering Power and Performance, let's take a listen. Being a single team, teammate single car to bounce. Team. Single yeah, car single team. car team that, that you can't bounce the any any sort of information off. I mean, you, you know, you've got all the guys around you. You've, you've got, uh, obviously, Anton that's got Dave Reynolds. You know, you've got James Golding. He's got Garth Tander. Um, Richie Stanaway's got three blokes. So um, does that make it a lot harder for you to, um, to, to get that car set up and I mean I know you've, you've got Adrian Burgess there he's he's you know he's an old hand he's done a lot of stuff and, he, and obviously I've worked with him in the past before um, that's great but do you still miss having another driver there that you can compare yourself against and compare your data against? Yeah definitely that's probably one thing that I've missed most um, this year I've got a little bit of T8 support um, along the way which is definitely helpful but um, yeah we're sort of don't have the same car exactly the same car so you're not sure exactly what you're rolling out with and you can't really i suppose bounce ideas off them and talk about your setups and about the lap and stuff like that after the session so um having that ability i suppose to to ask those guys and and someone racing on the same track on the same weekend is probably the um biggest thing that sort of um that i've missed throughout the year but um like you say Mm -hmm. we've had atb and campbell there i've got massive amounts of experience and um john has been really good as well in um helping me um, step forward and learn as much as I can but uh, 
yeah, it's one of those things. It's uh, what we signed up for, so we're doing the best with what we got. And I want to rewind just a little bit back to Townsville. Uh, and a guest of ours was on the show last week was Will <laughs> Davison, and you guys, you just, you guys had a bit of a schoolyard scrap, uh, which ended up with Will Davo into the fence. Did he come down and talk to you after the after the Townsville shunt? Did you have a word? Uh, no, I didn't see him after the race. I actually saw him at the airport and went up and uh, yeah. Apologise to um, good old Will there, but um, yeah, it was just one of those things. It's sort of safety cars, um, back everything up, and I made a bit of a mistake, got a bit eager, and um, yep. yeah, lesson learned. It's sort of a shame to to do that. We're both having a, a pretty good run there, but. Um, yeah, as long as I don't um, keep doing, we learn from it and um, yeah, we'll keep moving forward. On the show this week, Chaz Mostart, who broke his podium drought from way back in 2016, last round at uh, the Queensland Raceway. And the boys will also wrap up the first half of the Formula One season. You can catch the guys Sunday on the driver's seat for Kubota's mighty M71. It's got massive pulling power. We'll take a quick break here on Off the Bench. When we return, Sats tips for the remainder of round 21. You are listening to Off the Bench. Off the Bench for Kubota diesel generators and first choice liquor. It's time for Scotty's Tips for Big Four Holiday Parks. Book your next great Australian break at bigfour.com.au. Oh, what a big show it has been. Uh, yeah, you can book that next great Aussie escape at bigfour.com.au and the website, head along, just add the forward slash great Aussie escapes and they've got some uh, amazing ideas, a top 10 list, maybe a bucket list you'd like to tick off when you're travelling around this beautiful country of ours. Something that our man Scotty Sattler will be doing post-NRL season, but Sats, we still have a few weeks to play out and still plenty... Well, <laughs> I'm not... Sending you off an enforced holiday. I just think you've deserved one after a big uh, winter of work with us here on Off the Bench. Are you paying for it as well? No, I'm not. So we we need to go through the fine print, clearly. Uh, Let's have a look (laughs) at the three games on Saturday, uh, starting with the Dragons up against the Warriors. The good news for these two sides is someone has to win. The the bad news for the side that loses, the pressure is going to mount even more than it already is. Yeah, more so on the Warriors with their performance last week against the Gold Coast. They stayed on the Gold Coast, actually, for the entire week. I travelled to Sydney to call the game on Thursday night on the same plane as the Warriors players and, and they are massive humans. I've never seen bigger <laughs> humans like it. I actually stood alongside that Sean Johnson, the halfback. And yeah. Halfbacks generally in rugby league are the smallest players in the team but mm. he's he's quite an athlete. like Probably about just a touch under six foot and yeah. probably in his early 90 kilos and usually halfbacks are around 78, 79 kilos, 80 kilos top so they're just massive humans. Um, Playing at Wollongong, really tough place to win at in Wollongong. Um, so, but I, I just think the Dragons they need to get out of this coma somehow. And yep. um, this is probably the best team to play against the Warriors. And I know with Warriors players, if you keep them away from their home too long, their preparation suffers. Hmm. A lot of buffets, a lot of downtime. <laughs> The Dragons might be able to get them, I think. Okay, Uh, a game with very little bearing on the top eight. Uh, Eels-Titans, quick thoughts on that, Sats? Yeah, Titans, I think. um, They're actually not the favourites in this game, surprisingly enough. But I I think the Titans, the way they played last week, they're they're looking pretty good. Probably carrying in some slightly better form. Roosters-Cowboys on Saturday night? Yeah, uh, Roosters, I think. Um, In the last couple of weeks, I've been really impressive. Cowboys just got away with... Got away with a win last week um, against the Newcastle Knights, but uh, they're a completely different 
um, opposition this week. And two games on Sunday with uh, yet yeah, with teams really jostling for maybe a spot inside the top four up for grabs for the Sharks as they take on the Sea Eagles. You'd think the Sharkies too good there. Yeah, Sharkies too good. The Eagles just, just trying to hang on. Yep, yep. And then the final game of the weekend has the Panthers up against the Raiders. Yeah, Panthers. Um, mm. Regan Campbell-Gillard is maybe back from his broken jaw. If so, they start getting back to the side that they'll yep. take into the finals. So I'd like to think that the Panthers are going to uh, start to um, get themselves into fifth gear very soon. All right, there you go. Sats tips for the remainder of round 21. Thanks to Big Four. You can book now at bigfour.com.au. Uh, I did mention, Sats, it's been a, a massive show. Thank you for your efforts throughout the hour. Have a great weekend, and thanks to Kubota and First Choice Liquor for all your liquor needs. We'll catch you back here same time next week. Thanks, everyone. And to our listeners, hope you have a great weekend. Hope your side has a win as well. We'll catch you in seven days' time right here on Off The Bench. Off The Bench for Kubota diesel generators and first-choice liquor.